Welcome to Lazy Gumption episode 112, Conspiracy Rabbit Hole. We are the Lazy Gumption, we recap DCTV in a flash. My name is Jessica and I'm here with... May. I'm Tatiana. And you can talk to us and give us your feedback and what you think about anything and everything in DCTV by contacting us via Twitter... Um, during our live watches or anytime you want at DCTV Gumption or you can send us an email with your feedback ladieswgumption at gmail.com or you can send us an ask on Tumblr ladieswgumption.tumblr.com um, you can find old episodes of ours on the iTunes podcast app Google Play, Spotify um, on Stitcher um, we had an anon ask about Episodes 1 through 13 for Spotify, they weren't showing up. And they used to have some, had something to do with, like, the RSS feed and when we applied for it. Do you yes. know if that is, can we, like, after the fact, add those episodes on the Spotify? I or? hope so. I've um, been a bit swamped with work this week, but I'm going to look into it this weekend. So okay, hopefully I will have answers for you soon. But in the meantime, you can also find our episodes on our Potomatic page, ladies, ladies that be gumption dot. Is it ladies that be gumption dot com or DCTV gumption? It's ladies that be gumption dot Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Also, you can find our episodes on Patreon. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, first and foremost, thank you very much for helping us keep this podcast afloat. Um, Patreon members get. First, listen to new episodes, new DCTV episodes, 24 hours in advance, as well as Patreon-exclusive content um, where we talk about maybe some um, series that are not DCTV-related but are pretty popular. So we've done, for example, um, You, Seasons 1 2, Watchmen. Um, the latest episode that we released is Witcher Season 1 Review. And since we have a nice little hiatus coming up, I don't know if nice is the right word to describe it, but anyways. Right. Um, <laughs> a, a terribly inspired hiatus, but. <laughs> yeah, terribly timed hiatus. Um, but good news, May finished Elite Season 3, so everybody's caught up. So Woo-hoo! we can use um, maybe Elite Seasons 1 through 3 on our next Patreon-exclusive episode. So if you'd like to sign up to receive some extra content or just your a little bit early content, you can sign up on patreon.com slash gumption. In the news, um, due to the whole coronavirus situation, we have a couple of um, DCTV films that have, well, not a couple, just Wonder Woman so far. Wonder Woman 1984, I think it was supposed to come out in, what, June? Mm-hmm. And it was pushed back to an August theatrical release. Um, I think a lot of movies, um, big movies, were thinking about, like, how, how do we do this how do we time the releases some movies have gone to maybe netflix uh video on demand that kind of thing but for wonder woman it's like you know we made this for a theatrical experience so rather than going the video on demand route they're going to push it back to an august theatrical release and hopefully um that will work so that is that on that um matt reeves confirmed that they had stopped production or stopped filming on the Batman movie um, to keep all the actors safe. So that was also put on pause for the time being. Um, in DCTV news, The Flash, the April 7th episode, that's supposed to be the new episode 16, has actually been pushed back. 
Um, so that week, they're going to re-air all the Crisis episodes. So Supergirl, Batwoman. I don't know where they would. I guess they would put um, Arrow on Monday to fill up that slot. Or if they would still. No, because they can't do that because Arrow is after Flash. My bad. Right. So, um, but yeah, that week, instead of doing a new episode and have Supergirl and Batwoman on hiatus, they're just going to do a whole week of Crisis that episode. And then hopefully, hopefully we can get back to our regularly scheduled program for uh, at least the Flash episode. and Legends of Tomorrow by April the 14th. So we'll see how that goes. Yep. Oh, and then Stargirl. Um, I think we talked about this last week, but Stargirl is, um, has an air date of April the 18th on DC Universe. So if you have DC Universe, you'll be May able to... 18th. I said April, didn't I? Sorry. Yes. May 18th on DC Universe. Um, so if you have DC Universe, you'll be able to watch it from then. If you do not, then you'll be able to see the episodes on the CW starting the day after on May the 19th. Yay! Uh, <laughs> so moving into the format of this show, um, we only had two shows this week. We have Superbat, so it's like a Superbat episode this week. Um, Superbat in Wonderland. We will discuss likes and dislikes later with Gumption of the Week. I think it's kind of cute that both Supergirl and Batwoman's like almost like all the time is like Alice in Wonderland theme just because of Alice. <laughs> but now we also have like a Alex in Wonderland. So it's very super bat in Wonderland this week. Tatiana is going to be your host and guide us through the looking glass. So please take it away. We only have one side. She shows one side. Smoke screen. <laughs> she shows <Flash>. one side. <laughs> Smoke screen slash family reunion's over. <laughs> oh, yes. Welcome to side A, the only side for your viewing pleasure. Starting with Supergirl, Alex in Wonderland. Alex uses a pair of obsidian contact lenses to visit a virtual, a virtual national city where she takes on a whole new persona of her sister, Supergirl, because she is mad that her dad apparently cared so much about Supergirl and not about her, even though Supergirl does not care about her dad and can't even call him anything other than that dude, Jeremiah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kelly helps William investigate the plot of the season, which is Lex and Leviathan. And Kara deals with the di same difficult news that Alex is dealing with, except that Kara deals with it off screen because she does not care about this man. Sorry mm -hmm. to this man. Um, Tanya McKiernan, maybe that's her name, directed the episode with story by Rob Bright and teleplay by Jess Cardos and Mariko Tamaki. Oh, hold up. So Melissa didn't even direct this episode and she was barely in it? Yeah, I mean, I think she was getting impregnated. That's probably why she couldn't be in it. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess she was doing, like, prep for the next one. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was the prep. I think she was doing the prep. That is what it was. But yes, she was indeed being impregnated, too. <laughs> so... Um, what sparked joy in this episode? May start us off. Okay, well, I really thought that this episode went, uh, it was like a cross between Black Mirror and Inception, because that's all I could think about. I was like watching, I was like, oh, a reality within a reality, a world within a world, and it was exactly what Inception was doing. So, like, Alex would wake up, and then suddenly she was not in the actual reality. And it was really cool that they sort of did 
the idea of VR and how it could help people with their grief. Like we got the Kelly side of it, but then we also got the, oh, it's still really dangerous at the same time. So that was really well done. Um, and I appreciated the fact that, you know, they just explored how easily realities can be manipulated and worked if the situation is convincing enough. Because we saw Alex, who is generally a logical person with a good head on her shoulders, be tricked into thinking that this was her reality. Like, she was Supergirl, or she was suddenly at the DEO helping bring down the bad guys, because this was her life. So it was really creepy and eerie how well the system worked uh, into keeping people inside this, like, very realistic world um so all of that was great i like the fact that even though if it was really really overdue that alex got to explore some of her issues with you know her dad basically leaving and never really coming back and her never really getting to say goodbye and um all of these like what seemed like pent up emotions that she's had for so long kind of coming back all at once because of the news of jeremiah's death um so all of that was great. Kyler was just, she's an incredible actress and she really nailed all of Alex's emotions from like the anger to the vulnerability to the the sadness and just having to like, she went through all those sort of stages of grief in one episode. Um, and I thought that was really, really well done. And how they sort of kept the plot going. So like, thankfully, Kelly was there. She got to be like a little hero on her own and went in to save Alex, but also that Alex had to do it on her own. Like she could only help so much, but also that she got to have her little side plot with William, you know, taking, investigating what was really going on, finding the number of people who had gone missing, you know, like even though this was a side plot in a way, you know, where like, oh, I guess they really want to see what Alex will look like in a super Supergirl costume and as Supergirl. Um, there was still like the plot that was actually happening with, uh, or that has been happening throughout the season. So I thought that was really well done the way that they like tied it all in. Um, and like William's like the only one who cares about what's going on with Lex. So he's like the only one <laughs> investigating the whole thing. But I'm really glad, like I, I enjoyed William and Kelly's team up because I thought that was a, so far it hasn't really been a relationship that has been explored or that they've even like a friendship that has been forged. So it's been nice to see that, you know, he's sort of creating these friendships and, and relationships with other people outside of like Kara. Um, and that Kelly's world is also being expanded and she's sort of coming into the season long plot as well um, through Obsidian. And yeah, I just like really appreciated too, like Kelly knowing that something was wrong and being angry that no one was listening to her and like Andrea was not listening to her. The people who said that they would fix this are not listening to her. So sort of all coming together into this nicely tied season long arc and it was a really strong episode. Yeah, I, I like that Supergirl went like full Black Mirror in this episode and the slow reveal of how people start to lose track of reality until they forget who they are completely. And, you know, because in the beginning, you know, Alex is new there. So she's like fresh to this reality. And you have Tilly, who is like in been there a while, but still kind of cognizant of what reality is. And the rocker guy who is just like, oh, he's here all the time. I don't know why he's here all the time. And then you get into the, like the next step where, you know, Tilly suddenly doesn't remember anything. 
and it's just like, what is going on here? And then that I, so I like that slow reveal of, you know, people starting to slowly get sucked into this VR until they forget like what reality actually is. And I also think that it's um, interesting that the kind of common thread between all of them is some kind of grief. So the rocker guy with just lost his wife and then Tilly um, with her sister that she hasn't been able to see and is in, you know, stage four cancer and, you know, can't see her. Alex with her dad. Um, So it seems like the most vulnerable people are people like this, even like that psychopath from the episode before who like his wife is cheating on him and so i guess his was like rage or something like that some kind of like strong emotion where being in the vr is better than being in like reality and so and that's how you kind of get sucked into this uh you know zombie-like status where you just can't get out um so i i I like how that kind of gives more of a idea of how leviathan is going about doing this without like alarming an entire society of people. Um, Alex trying to wake up only to still be in the VR reminded me so much of my sleep paralysis. I'm like, Oh my God, this is exactly how my sleep paralysis works because like, I know like I'm asleep and I'll try and force myself awake. <laughs> but sometimes I like, think I've seen it. I think I'm awake. I'm like, okay, good. I'm awake. But then I like try to move and I can't I'm like damn it I'm still asleep. <laughs> and, and like for Alex you know she she tried to force herself out of it and we thought that she succeeded and then she gets that call from John like we need you super Alex and she's still Supergirl. So it's like I guess this is real so I like I like that um how that kind of all played out um I I think like the whole DEO of John Brainy and then later on Nia being kind of like this it's like a video game NPCs and they're like Supergirl <laughs> you have this mission da, 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 da. <laughs> yes. like, really into it and even like I don't know if David was doing this on purpose but Hank was just awful like his whole speech pattern and I don't I feel it felt like he was like really playing up like the big like, bad and like a video game like a video game boss in the way that he was like yelling at everything. It's like I have a bomb, you know? Um yeah. and it's up to Alex to solve it. And so you if you really really get into that. Um I thought that Jesse Raff chewed the scenery as Brainy um mm-hmm. pretty well. He was kind of like John was kind of like the authoritative figure in the video game and then like Brady had this kind of like cocky like jock henchman you know whatever <laughs> and uh. then then you have like also Nia who didn't really get that much but at least she was on team DEO and you know another um NPC in Alex's kind of like video game world like come on Nia or come on Alex we can do this and, you know that kind of thing so I thought that was they they've kind of played up the whole video game reality aspect of it and especially you know every time Alex tried to think logically they had mm-hmm. an excuse for everything like oh my gosh I hope Cy didn't get you with that cyber attack that you're having <laughs> it was really confusing to me actually at first because I was like why is Jean talking like that I'm like oh yeah. it's Hank Henshaw Hank Henshaw yeah. <laughs> I really like that the whole um, side of the Supergirl reality side in the VR. And then I also liked um, 
on in the real world, actual real world, William and Kelly investigating um, because I thought it was like a really good team up and it really kind of pushed forward the conspiracy and Leviathan side on the outside. Um, and the fact that William was able to find that there's so many people that have just kind of like disappeared off the face of the earth and no one has ta- heart, heard from them um, since they entered the VR kind of thing. And, uh, you know, <laughs> William is like, if he wasn't right, you would just from the outside, he'd be like that, that gif of that man just like, right, like crazy <laughs> and like looking at the <laughs> world. <laughs> 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 It, it was really, it was really, um, they're on the right track. So, and like calling everybody and, you know, so they made like a really good team. And I like that Kelly kind of like put her foot down with Andrea about, you know, this is a glitch. I've put it through and you haven't done anything about it. And this is harming people. And, you know, I guess once they figured out that once Andrea realized that as someone she knew was affected, then she was like, oh my God, we have to fix this. <laughs> so finally, that's going to go going to go somewhere, um, and then the end, of course. I don't know how Eve got out of jail, but it's interesting that she is back in the picture as a mole within Obsidian. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Maybe she never went into the jail. Oh. <laughs> Did she go in pre-crisis or post-crisis? It was pre-crisis, right? Because Pre, post-crisis, yeah, yeah post-crisis post- was just new world. Yeah, interesting. Um, Interesting. <laughs> that was all your likes, right? Oh, that, okay, that that would make sense, I guess, since Lex is now re, he wrote the he wrote things that he is like the best person ever that he would exactly. save. Aw, he does care. Um, so <laughs> I uh, well, first, first, I'll say that seeing um, I did not realize that Mariko Tamaki wrote the episode when I was watching the episode and seeing her name got me really excited. Have I already seen her name and been excited? Have we already done this in no. past episodes? Why are you okay. Why are you excited from the? She's a comic book writer, so she's written like some of my favorite, oh. um, you know, arcs of, uh, like for example, She Hulk. But anyway, so I was very excited that she wrote this episode. Uh, okay. Also, real glad that we got to see Eliza at the funeral because you know for a second I was like, I we're just not going to see Eliza's reaction ever because she is irrelevant to this world apparently. So I'm glad that um, there's not some oh. huge falling out. Quick, you know what else is my like? What? <laughs> Dean Kane was mad that he got killed off. <laughs> oh, he was mad. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, deserved. He deserves to be killed off of Supergirl. <laughs> Thing of life, but of Supergirl. So um, I'm fine with that. That's another. You know what? That is a joy. Not that he was angry, but that he was killed off at all. Period. Great. I'd love to see that. And no flashbacks or whatever. Didn't bring him back for a last hurrah. Just hey, by the way, this guy died. This um, is an anti-Jeremiah <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> he, wasn't in, he wasn't in crisis, and then they killed him off off-screen. <laughs> Love to see it. And hey, let me be clear. This is not anti-Jeremiah. This is anti-Dean Cain. <laughs> um, so anyway. Um, okay. So um, I, I am glad that we actually got to see, you know, and hear some of what Eliza had to say. And also, I do think it was good to focus on Alex in response to the situation, because of course, if you're going to kill him off, it would have been way weirder if Alex was just like, well, he's dead, I'm real sad, moving on. So it makes sense that all of her feelings that she had bubbling up in the surface about, you know, or bubbled up to the surface about her father and about their whole family dynamic. So that makes sense, and I approve uh, this message. Also, um, the VR and the whole, situ- the whole, you know, like you guys said, the inception or 
Black Mirror uh, situation where you're just like trapped in the VR and at some point you don't even know what's real and what's not was appropriately creepy. Um, Leviathan, again, now that we are seeing old lady who kills patients or traps them in VR, um, <laughs> Leviathan is starting to feel like a real threat, um, which I'm glad about. I was legitimately scared when William went down to like the basement yes. or whatever when he was like going to go check out. The- you in danger, girl. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was like, she was just putting in the VR. Oh my god, he's gonna die. And then she just made it disappear. But even that, like, seeing like the glimmer of her, you know, like yeah. I guess like, we only see it, he can't. But still, I was like, ooh, <laughs> shivers. Um. So yeah. So that was good. Um. <laughs> also, I um. I, I really loved Kelly this whole episode. I mean, first, I loved that she was being supportive of Alex and that she didn't take it personally when Alex lashed out at her. She gave her the space that she needed and then, you know, went about her business while still being worried and protective, but also being like, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, wait for her to come to me, um, handle some plot in the meantime, and then, wait, let me check on Alex. And then she was, like, for real, legitimately worried and actually went, you know, had her little hero moments Talk, talk to Andrea, actually got Andrea to, like, be a less than idiotic person for five seconds somehow. Um, and then, you know, when it came back, like, when, when Alex came back and apologized, Kelly was very warm about it and very understanding and helped her get to the funeral slash wake slash whatever it was that we were doing over there. So, yeah. Kelly is my hero this episode. She was great. Um... And, um, I, like, like you guys already mentioned, <laughs> the, the whole characters, like, the main cast being characters in Alex's VR and all being, like, delusional, psycho, you can't trust your friends, and Hank Henshaw things was great. Um, so it was really fun to get them all, just get to see them all like that, and also it was very eerie to see, because it, it's like, where does this, like, how much, how much does this VR know about Alex? Like, where are they coming up with these interpretations of these characters? Is it coming from Alex's brain to begin with? Or is it just like, oh, here's a, you know, a cardboard cutout of what I would, what I would need this person to do to make you stay yeah. in the VR. So, and like, why? I, I was looking for like little clues, like how people interacted in Alex's VR world to uh-huh. see if there's any kind of clues that, how she thinks about relationships between people. Especially right. as I was looking at Brainy and Nia, but then they really interact. <laughs> like, didn't get okay. to do anything. But, oh, oh, and they sat next to each other in the pew. They sat in real life. In real life, they were so, so excited. Fuck <laughs> joy. Far I thought joy. Cara was, was appropriately damsely in her little five-second scene of oh, being yes. Hank and Shaw's victim. <laughs> yes, that was, I mean, like, that one makes the most sense, because it's like, yeah, I'm sure that Alex wishes, like, well, not, she, not that she wishes, like, she does always have to save her sister, but at the same time, she feels like it's, like, a futile exercise because her sister's much more powerful and, like, you know, can handle herself than she is, and yet, here in this little scenario, it's like, literally, if I actually had to save my sister, this is what it would be like. <laughs> so, so yeah, I like that, in terms of a look into Alex's psyche. So, um, I think that that is, I think I'm done now. I think that's that on that. What did we, um, what did not spark joy for us? May, please share. <laughs> Um, well, to start with, Andrea pissed me off 
for like the whole episode because she was acting like Trump with the coronavirus. It's like, oh, no, it doesn't exist. Nothing's wrong. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and then it's like, no, Andrea, it's bad. Things need to be fixed. This is happening. You need to understand. <laughs> so, you know, Kelly was the logical, rational person who was like, you know, you have to address these problems. And she was just ignoring them, which pissed me off because it's like, how can you run a company and yeah. try to like sell something to people and completely ignore when there is a clear glitch in the what? system? You're just yeah, going to give it to people just like, like that. Yeah. It's right. Yeah, it's oh like, like Tati said last week, it's a lawsuit waiting to happen. And she <laughs> like her continued, you know, I'm glad she, she, got it together at the end but the fact that she was she went so she didn't long get it together until it happened to someone that she knew right so it's like it's classic one percent yeah exactly <laughs> so it's like we're supposed to be behind andrea because she really wants to do all this but i'm like but you're really really super you're like a billionaire like should i really care if something goes wrong and like you actually have to have some ethics and morals and retest things before you give them to people i don't know so that was annoying and then Throughout the episode, I got the whole Alex thing and, like, I came to understand it. But it also felt like these were issues that Alex sort of had gotten over, you know, in the sense that this would have made a lot more sense to me had it been season one and two Alex where she was still struggling and coping with the the fact that, you know, Kara was sort of like the star of her family and she was always tasked with protecting her and, and you know, helping Supergirl while she was felt like she was pushed to the side or she had like a lot of responsibility um plus when like jeremiah was actually still around (laughs) so that would have made more sense then so i feel like this is just a long overdue anger process sort of just to get kyler into a supergirl outfit rather than something more that felt more organic to the storyline in this moment for her um what else I don't like with the VR world, this is like a nitpick, but I don't understand why it can be just like a regular game where you can control who comes in and out. Like when gamers are playing with each other, like you should be able to control when you want to be alone, alone in this world and just interact with like actual just VR people versus interacting with people who are also a part of your world somehow. Yeah, that's kind um, of annoying. Like, yeah, it's like, wait, I didn't ask you I to can't be- even get away from people. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, people are just popping in and out, you know, and it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it should be able to be a controlled thing. Um, And then the fact that it's, it was a strong episode, but Supergirl has this issue where it goes through several episodes and big things happen to characters throughout the previous episodes. And then they sort of get dropped um, in the next one. So like last week we had Nia and she went through this whole ordeal. And then this week there was barely any Nia or the only thing that we, the only time we saw Nia was in the VR world. We didn't see her investigating, um, Lex or helping William and and Kelly. And I think that that would have made sense for her to be in on that plot. Um, and speaking of Lex, it just feels like, for example, Kara as a journalist was, like, should you not be concerned with all the things that Lex is doing? Like, she should be the one in charge of this investigation for Lex versus, like, William, who seems like he's the one taking it on for some reason. <laughs> um, <Conspiracy. laughs> um, what else? Like, Eliza showed up. I'm happy. But it just 
like Supergirl and parents really sucks, except for their relationship with Jean. It's like non-existent with Eliza at all. She gets called in to have these like random moments, but she never actually shares any emotional moments with her daughters. And that never made any sense to me. Like Alex is hung up on her dad, but it's like, oh, well, she's not even going to get to talk to her mom either. She just shows up at the, at the, the church and then that's it. So it just feels like this is a consistent issue with me where it's just like they just forget Eliza exists in general and they probably only made her show up in this episode because it would have looked really bad if she had it (laughs) so it's just really frustrating yeah I mean I give Kara a pass on not really investigating Lex because of that one episode where uh what's his face came back Jeremy Jordan and they're at like that toy thing and he's like, you know, stop investigating me or I'll tell your little secret. I'll tell on you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That did happen. <laughs> but for me, I guess, in this episode, Alex is like random surge of anger over her dad dying and lashing out at Kara over like old jealousy issues that I thought that were resolved. Um it was really just kind of like abrupt and I don't know if I missed it but I feel like there was not enough like previously on to recap Jeremiah's like arc on the show and like what like Alex and Cara's like teenage mid-bell angst to have Alex go from like sad in the episode like prior where she's like oh my gosh dad's died to like very angry at everyone in the beginning of this one it just felt like zero to a hundred really really quickly and I feel like if that's the way that they wanted to play it they could have just switched and had Kara tell Alex at the end of last episode, like, you know, dad died. And then we see Alex's shock face. And then in the next episode, Alex is like anger at it. Um, also, I feel like on the Kara side of things, like Kara taking Jeremiah's side and being all, maybe he had a good reason for abandoning us and never talking to us again was like way more plot forcey than yeah. Car like not understanding <laughs> the questions of like the trans community in the previous episode. Like some people were like upset about her in that episode because they thought it was like plot for convenience. But this is like super plot forcey of you know Car and it's like so she's so detached because she just calls him like Jeremiah and Eliza. She's like detached from them, but like taking his side for no reason at the same time. So it's, yeah, that felt like she could have, I would have liked to see Car have like a little bit more emotion on the subject matter. Um, she took the don't speak ill of the dead to heart. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I feel like it's obvious in my opinion that Alex had to be in grief. Like I was mentioning earlier in my likes that, you know, the common thread of like the most at risk people are the people that are grieving, have lost someone in the real life, they're more susceptible to being stuck in the VR. So in order to get that storyline across, Alex has to be in grief in order for this plot to work. Um, and it's also why I think like Alex would be at greater risk to, you know, because she's dealing with her dad's death, she's a greater risk than like that other Supergirl lady who was just like clearly there for her vacay at the end, <laughs> you know? Um so I like and you know the whole like Dean Kane situation like I don't blame them for killing Jeremiah off off screen and not showing him at all. Um, that's you know they just didn't want to bring back Dean Kane, but without like the previously on spending the entire episode on Alex's feelings about her dad dying, where we never really saw 
that relationship or we don't remember what that relationship was like seems kind of forced way to do it. Um, yeah, and that's probably <laughs> that is probably the main thing. I think it's kind of funny that seeing that Melissa didn't direct this episode, but then she's also not in it a lot. So maybe that's because, but she was all she also wasn't in the previous episode a lot. So I'm guessing, hopefully, this next episode is the one that she's directing. I don't remember if it is or not, but if it's not, it just seems like, well, couldn't there have been more Kara in Super Alex's world since that was also an issue that she brought up in the beginning when she was, like, yelling at everybody? It was, like, you know, the whole jealousy thing between Alex and Kara about, you know, dad always favoring Kara being Supergirl and Alex having to hold everything together um, and still there being some resentment there. It would have been interesting to see more of what Alex would have wanted that dynamic to look like if it was like in the reverse situation between her and Kara. But I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity, I guess. I also agree that Alex's rage over Jeremiah seemed like misplaced, not because I don't think that she felt it, but because there was no, like, no one had mentioned Jeremiah for, like, two years, or Alex's Kara-related ex- ex- insecurities since, like, Midvale era, since, like, season three or whenever it was. Um, and also, because we have those other choices to become Supergirl, or not, other than becoming Supergirl, the VR choices, like, there was one that's, like, being a mom, right? which seems like the most obvious to me like if your dad just died and you have a problem with the way that he was your dad then being a mom or whatever you know which is the thing that you've said that you've wanted repeatedly for the last two seasons makes like the lot that's like the logical leap that I would make uh, if I were writing this so I was like why why is that here and not even being like acknowledged just like "Eh, whatever moms supergirl that's the one that I want to be um so I was a strange also, like, I just feel like something like that, like, May already kind of said it, but, like, something like being a, a mom or, like, trying to parent differently or whatever, and then and then realizing you make the same choice or whatever, something like that, would further her current story more, would make as much sense, at least, and have been more emotional than just, like, I want to be Supergirl. No, just kidding. I guess I don't. I don't know. Um, it wouldn't so, be yeah. as fun, though. Yeah, it wouldn't <laughs> be as fun. That's a, It wouldn't be as fun. Um, but, but that, I guess it's fine. So, yeah, so... It, it seems like it just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, okay, we're going to do this now. Um, but um, also, <laughs> you guys made excellent points about Andrea. <laughs> she was so, she's been so stupid for like the last two episodes. And I was starting to like her too before that. I was like, you know, like she does want to help people and she is trying to do a good job. And now she's like, like you guys said, she's basically Lena. Just with a dumber technology, which Lena is using for her own <laughs> dumb idea. So really, <laughs> it's like dominoes. But anyway, um, like falling one way after the other, not like pizza. Although I guess it is kind of like ordering pizza. 50 bucks for this fucking pizza. Okay, anyway. So um, I just, yeah, Andrea was being so, so dumb. And it just doesn't make sense how she can be running a company. Like, if she was literally, at this moment, being brainwashed by Leviathan, and, like, that's why she was behaving in that way, and we saw that, like, every time she was like, wait, this doesn't make sense, someone came out and, like, pulled the little pendulum there to make her go back into the sunken place, then that would make sense. Like, she but, has to know, like, if mm-hmm. she 
it would it would be like a good twist or whatever if she actually knew like what Leviathan was doing and she was like in on it the whole time or whatever. But then this episode made it clear that she's just dumb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Bad. Before that, I was like, oh, she's working with him again. It's another situation like that. But nope, it's not. She was like, you're going to stop this and you're going to change things, right? And they're like, yeah, totally. Not, not going to do that. Please come check again in a month when you say the exact same thing and we still don't do it. It's All like, right. Kelly, yeah, I am a rich. This is the last thing on my list right now. <laughs> <laughs> but like, seriously, like, like when she was like, do you really want to hurt the like senior citizens and and um the the feelings of the soldiers who are trying to get over their PTSD by telling them that they could die in the VR? Why don't you just let them die peacefully in the VR? God, Kelly. It's like okay, okay, Andrea. So that part didn't make sense. And also, we talked about this when we were watching the episode, but like it's a shared universe, presumably, because you're talking about people who are in their VR situation. So why is there only like how is Alex the only one who had the desire to be Supergirl? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how? How did that work? And then finally, this other girl shows up. And also, why does it only take, like, two hours to get totally lost in VR? Like, that is some really, really heavy-duty stuff. Because it's like, at first, Tilly was like, hey, what's up? I know what's going on. And then, like, half an hour later, she's like, this is real. What are you talking about? This is a real world. I thought that it had been, like, weeks. And also, like, if, it, if you get that lost in two hours, then how are people who are still alive after, like, two weeks? shouldn't that dude from last episode be dead he should definitely be dead so anyway at that part where i was like i'm like a little bit like fuzzy like i was expecting alex i wasn't really expecting alex but the way that they had it in the vr world made it seem like alex had been gone for like days you know like it's been like you're not eating you're not sleeping like you're just like screwed in this vr world but it was really just like just put down the game alex (laughs) yeah like it's time to eat dinner alex stop playing the game so all right um, but the, I mean, the red eye thing was cool when, when Kelly found her. So I totally understand why Kelly would be worried, but like, I was not concerned for Alex is what I'm saying. I did not feel like the stakes were that high. Um, so, um, and yeah. And then finally, Mia, um, just got her episode last week after like, you know, five, one line per episodes. And now she's back to like, Hey, what's up? I am Nia and I am in this episode. Um, and I don't like that. So... Let Nia have more to do. That's all. <laughs> okay, so do we have feedback? We do have feedback. We have feedback from Suara. And Suara says, Hello from our universal self-quarantine friends. I hope you are all doing very well and can't wait for us to all get through this. Me too. Aww, this is so overall. Hmm? I said that's so sweet. No. This was overall a very good episode. Alex-centered episodes, for the most part, tend to be that way. I like the exploration of the virtual universe and showing how so many people have gotten trapped there. Alex being able to express her sincere feelings of abandonment by her father and the overattention on Kara were relatable and very well acted by Kyler. I'm also glad that we got more revelations about Lex and Leviathan are doing with the catatonic virtual reality people. Having said all that, the episode ultimately came too late, and we ultimately should have spent more time with Alex and Kara's dad to care. Jeremiah has been gone for years. The characters virtually never talked about him. I'm sure many of the fans of the show were watching asking who died, (laughs) even though they tried to spell it out (laughs) repeatedly in the episode. And that, the impact felt duller than they probably intended. I'm very glad to have more character exploration for Alex, but why follow up on this and not her adoption storyline? I really don't get it. Guessing that the Supergirl writers and producers wanted to sever ties with Dean Kane, who has gone quite right-winger in his support of Trump and becoming a board member of the NRA. Good riddance, in my opinion. 
But then why not just create recasts like they did Allura? Such is the way of BCTV writers, such as last week with the atrocity, atrociously handled exit of Courtney and Brandon Lasai. So thank you, Swara, for your feedback. Yes, thank you for still I, joining I, us in these trying times. We love to hear your I think your we words. also have um, feedback from Celeste on Tumblr. Yeah, she gave she sent a little um, ask. She said, hey, ladies, the last two weeks have been so busy for me that I keep missing the deadlines for feedback. So I'll just drop it here and say that the last few episodes of Supergirl have been amazing. We got a dance in I Love You, which had me squealing. And Kyra's acting in that app was amazing. I forgot how much she can act when given strong material. Uh, and then she has a Batwoman, like one line comment. So, And then Batwoman is continuously getting better by the episode. Kind of bummed that we are on a long hiatus. Thanks, Celeste. Yay, Celeste. Is that so? Is that all on our feedback? All right. So, um, do we have any predictions? 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 No. (laughs) Mine are still the same. They haven't paid off yet. So. (laughs) Well, the next episode um, is Deus Lex Deus Lex Machina, and it's Mm, going to be when we find out how Lex became, um, you know, world leader, peace nonsense man so in this alternate world apparently so um do we have any thoughts on how that happened aside from literally because that's what he wished for but (laughs) (laughs) it's also that one is in fact melissa's um directorial debut okay so that it says yeah lex proceeds to lay an intricate plan to bring lena closer to him defeating defeat leviathan's latest attack and pit supergirl and the team against leviathan so that'll be interesting it also reveals how Lex came into power after Crisis. So, I don't know. Yeah. Don't necessarily have thoughts on it, but... Liam could have, like, a big role in this episode, too, since it's so he- Lex-heavy. And, because it could show... If it's showing, like, what Lex's rise to power, it could also show William's spiral. Rise to paranoia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the I Lex do love... Paranoia. It's great. It's great that... I don't. I can't put this under sparking joy or not sparking joy, because it doesn't do either. It's just funny. But, like, the fact that, like you said... <laughs> Um, William is so paranoid and he's just like he would be not like he would sound like a crackpot to anyone else but because everyone on the show already knows the truth it's just weird that he doesn't know the truth like he just goes to anyone and they're like no you're totally right like what you're saying makes absolute sense and I know this because I know the actual reality but I can't (laughs) tell you that so I'm just just like you convinced me like wow William you're so smart (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I don't know. I think mean, like, it's obviously better than if they were gaslighting him. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. We can't possibly yeah. let you know that. So I'm glad about that. But it also makes you wonder why they don't just like be like, hey, by the way, you are absolutely right. Not just <laughs> I just don't think you're right. I know you're right. But oh well. <laughs> okay. So shall we move on to Batwoman? Batwoman. Yay! All right. Batwoman through the looking glass. Hmm. <clears throat> Kate begins to question her instincts after she totally murders a dude. And Luke gets upsetting news. I like how everyone, both the recaps are like, this person got upsetting news. Um, Specifically, Luke finds out that the dude that has been in jail for his dad's murder is going to get a retrial because of lack of evidence and because of that one shady dude. Um, And this is very sad for him. Until he finds out that Reggie, or whatever his name was, is just a nice dude who loves his grandma. But then he gets more upsetting news because this nice dude who loves his grandma just got shot right in front of him. <laughs> Unfortunate. 
Meanwhile, Alice seeks her sister's help with a special task, a.k.a. saving Mouse. And Kate agrees to help because she has secret evil plans inside of her. <laughs> Sud Sutherland directed the episode, written by Nancy Q. What spark joy? Jessica, go first. I like once again. Let's take another really good episode. Um, I feel, I feel bad that we say, like, "Oh my god, we're like surprised." <laughs> <laughs> we're like, "Oh, we're just waiting for this show to finish." <laughs> <laughs> I think like in a non recently on Tumblr mentioned, I can't remember how they worded it, but um, compared to shows like the flash or legends that have this one season long, big bad Batwoman doesn't treat it's quote unquote big bad like that. And I, I really think this episode for me submitted, submitted that feeling for me too. Um, Cause I really think we've been conditioned by the Arrowverse. Um, and it was like a weak point for me, like watching uh, the pilot initially that Alice was revealed to be Beth and her knowing Kate was Batwoman was like revealed like right off the bat. Cause I'm like, well now where are they supposed to go? How's she supposed to be the big bad like this? And I feel like it's because we've been conditioned that this is the one big bad and we have 22 episodes to like figure out what they want to do. Um, the wild <laughs> pilot was still bad. So, you know, that aside, I think the payoff of revealing Alice and early, um, has been great for the show in season one, at least. Um, the big bad, I feel like it's changed at least five times since the season started. I was like, oh my god, it's Alice. But then it's like, wait a minute, is Mouse more dangerous than Alice? But wait a minute, the creepy face cutting guys are is Mouse's dad. So like, maybe he's <laughs> the real villain. And then now we're like, we're in this like, who killed Lucius Fox Crows conspiracy hole. And so it's like, oh my god, what's going on? So like, things are like rotating and changing constantly. And it keeps the show from becoming like stale or dragging out storylines because, you know, we need to have this filler because the big bad can't do what the big bad's supposed to do yet. You know, you have all of these kind of like rotating villains. Um, and I think it, it took Batwoman maybe a little bit while to get into that kind of rotation. But I feel like now it's like hitting on all cylinders. Like you have a punch from here. And then you're like looking in this direction and then something else hits you from the behind. So you have to like keep turning and rotating and figuring out like what's going on. It's just like opening up the Batwoman's world like a lot more. So it's like really, really good. Um, and this episode in particular, I really like that Luke is finally getting in a storyline of his own. Um, just Luke getting material period is great because, you know, we've talked about before that he hasn't been, he's just been kind of like a, a side character, not really getting his own character development for a while um so the fact that lucius fox's murder murder is tied to like the crows conspiracy and now with like reggie being out like who knew reggie was just a decent guy who likes his grandma and just went and sip and dip sip and dash for a bag of chips i didn't know it like that talk about a plot twist like from when we saw him first like towering over jerem like Jer jeremiah Towering over Jacob and being like, are you homie? And all this kind of shit. I was like, who is this guy? And then suddenly, you know, he's out and he's like, oh, you really were innocent. Okay. Um, you know, it's just like a, like a plot choice for me. I also like that because Luke is at the center of the storyline. His dad is at the center of the storyline. Um, that also involves the crows. Sophie is also investigating. Jacob is also investigating. He's pulling in like a lot of characters. So he's like the center of it. And... 
other characters are being pulled into the same storyline. So Sophie and Jacob had hit that on them. And now Julia Pennyworth is back um, investigating it, too. So you've got all these characters coming into a story that revolves around, like, Luke and Lucius Fox's murder. Um, so that's cool. And then the other major storyline is Kate and Alice teaming up to save Mouse. And I love the team up. I thought it was really cute. I thought it was great before it all went to shit. Yeah. <laughs> Alice is, like, dressed down in, like, Kate's clothes and... It was really cute and like her teasing Kate about like the butterfly knives like oh you just don't want to try it because you know I'm actually better at it than you or you can do it um <laughs> <laughs> they actually felt like twins they felt like sisters it felt like some kind of like lost yeah. connection and um the matching bunny mask I love a rabbit so <laughs> Kate and Alice like in matching bunny masks was like peak for me um I think, like, in their break-in to Arkham, Kate definitely got the heavy-handed side of the break-in with, like, all of, like, the fighting of the guards and everything. But the choreography was really great. The choreography was awesome. So I don't know. Um, do they have Arrow's choreographer or a different choreographer? It didn't feel mm. like an Arrow fight sequence. Um, I don't think they the have fighting Arrow's style, choreographer. Yeah, the fighting style seemed a lot different, but I really liked it. It kind of reminded me of Birds of Prey fight style, like the the way that the fights were um, choreographed. Huh. But I don't, I mean, they can't obviously afford John Wick's choreographer, so whoever they had, <laughs> the fight sequence was, the choreography was like really, really great. Um, the, I'll talk about the ending of that storyline and the dislikes, but the whole like emotion um, the heaviness of the episode of Kate's like emotion of like having to come to grips with killing somebody, Alice's emotion of finally feeling like she had her sister back for a while, and you know promising, keeping her promise not to kill. Um, all of that was like really, really well played between Rachel and Ruby. Yes, I agree with all of that. I really do think that they felt a lot like sisters this episode. I loved especially their conversation uh, when they were like in Kate's bar and they were on the floor and Kate was talking about how guilty she felt about not feeling guilty that she killed um, Cartwright, which was really, it was a great conversation because I thought it was like the first time that the two of them were being really honest with each other instead of being um, trying to one up each other or prove mm-hmm. something to, to the other. Like they were deeply connected in that moment because they both sort of understood what it was like to have killed someone and not necessarily feel bad about it, you know, especially since all, uh, or especially since everything um, that they went through with regards to uh, Cartwright and what, you know, his plans were for them and and all the torture and and all that stuff. Can't find my words. (laughs) You get my point. (laughs) Um, So all of that was great. And I especially love the fact that they, like, Kate's been sort of teaming up with um, different characters. So she, like, teamed up with Sophie a couple episodes back. And then she teamed up with Alice in this episode. And I think that it's she works really well when she's with, she's playing off of somebody. Um, So their whole plan to get into Arkham was a really solid plan, I thought. Like, any other episode, I've been like, yes, this is really, really clever. <laughs> um, And I really appreciate the fact that Alice... Um, tried her best not to kill anyone because she promised Kate that she wouldn't. She, so she didn't best. go through with it. <laughs> so she at least like tried to, you know, hold up her end of the deal. So 
that was great on her part. It shows that she has some semblance of control. Like we, we've seen her murder people. We've seen her concoct all these plans, but when she needs to, she doesn't do certain things because of the fact that she loves Kate. She doesn't necessarily want to disappoint her in certain instances, just like we saw in the pilot that she didn't kill Sophie because she knew how much Sophie meant to Kate and that there would be no going back. Um, so all that was great. And, I actually, up to a certain point anyway, I liked Julia coming in and, like, saving Sophie's life, that there's a hit on Sophie because of this investigation that she's doing into the crow's shadiness or somebody in the crow, crows who's being, um, like, a dirty cop, basically, and Julia coming in to the rescue, but, you know, them knowing that they are both e- Kate's exes and then Mary having that moment where she's like, do you know who the other person is? <laughs> Um, so that was really nice. Um, so up until that moment, I was like, yeah, I was vibing with them. I was wondering if um, they would they would go there, they would kiss, something like that. I really also, like Jessica said, that Luke is getting a story, that there's something going on, but that he's involved. And I like that the expectation was that Reggie was going to be this bad guy, that it was cut and dry. Like, this is the guy who murdered his dad, and that's it. There's no gray area, but there is a massive gray area in the whole retrial thing. And it was nice to see that, like, because Luke has been so very, you know, this is bad, this is good, that he's sort of getting a storyline where it's not as black and white as he thinks things are. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's especially nice because it's, it's his dad that he has to deal with, like his dad's death and all of this stuff. So it's great that... He's getting the storyline and that Mary was there for him, even though, you know, he didn't want anybody there. Like he shrugged Kate off like, oh, this is no big deal. I'm just going to go to the courthouse and be there because he was so sure that it was not going to get reopened. Yeah. I appreciated that Mary came to him because she knew what it felt like to lose a parent and how hard that was. And she knew that regardless of the outcomes, he needed somebody to be there with him in that moment. So I really love that. I feel like their friendship or whatever is going on is, is really blossoming and they're actually getting along and being there for each other emotionally. So I really enjoyed that. And the fact that Jacob gave his daughter a hug at the end because, oh my God, he was being a dad for two seconds. <laughs> but that's all. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I also uh had many likes for the episode because it was a good episode because all of that woman's episodes lately have been good make it make sense does it make sense how does it happen i don't know okay (laughs) so here we are um the push and pull between kate and uh alice slash beth has been at the heart of that woman all season um and so and i think that it's they've done a great job with uh stretching it out because like jessica said earlier on at first, we were like, why do we already know that she's Beth? Like, that's really fast. We're pulling the trigger on it. But because we've been getting nice little breaks in between and yet also a constantly evolving dynamic between them, it feels organic every time. So now we're actually getting to see Alice almost like an ally for the half the episode. Uh, and yet, <laughs> and, and yet even then, like, we still see, like, that tension between them. Like, when Alice revealed that she had basically planned it that way, right? Like, she wanted Kate to kill uh, the caterpillar. I can't remember his name now, suddenly. August. Um, and then Kate, you know, got really upset about that, obviously. So they still have, like, that tension between them, even when they're actually, like, 
going to work together on the same side. Um, but, uh, so this episode, they brought me lots of pain, <laughs> but, but it was good. It was a good kind of pain. It felt like it was realistic and both uh, sides of the equation I guess there's technically three, but no one really cares about Jacob's side. Um, both sides felt um, <laughs> in character. Um, I loved how Alice was like living for the fact that Kate had uh, murdered somebody. And it was funny, but at the same time, like after that fight, it was poignant when Alice genuinely thanks her for ending the man responsible for her torment, right? So like we do see that there is some like even in the malicious side of Alice, there is also like a genuine sympathy there. Um also, I loved, yeah, I loved their team up. I loved everything, like the choreography, um, the one-liners. Everything was so much fun. Just having a great time. I came out to have a good time, and then I was attacked by Kate betraying her. But, like I said, it makes sense. Like, Kate still believes that Alice is dangerous. And, you know, while Alice did keep her promise to not kill any, or that no one would die that time, and thank you, Alice, for that, um, Alice has not kept her promise many times before that. And Alice has, you know, just randomly, willy-nilly murdered a bunch of people. So, like... I understand, but I'm also like, no, especially when you get that moment of Jake, Jacob coming out and we see that it was their plan the whole time. It's just like Alice's worst nightmare from the fear toxin. So I'm like, oh, it came true. It is real this time. Ah, so, and also leaving Alice trapped with mouse is like a bad idea too. Are you doing likes or dislikes? (laughs) No, no, I'm saying this is it's all good stuff. This is, all, this is all good. This is all good. Like, because <laughs> you, cause you can just imagine, like, her being trapped with Mouse, like, what that's going to mean, right? This is definitely yeah. not, it doesn't feel like the closing of a chapter for Alice at all. Um, And so, and, and I'm sure that, like, because after, after Kate, you know, was going to let Alice die in exchange for Beth, I never would have thought that we would get them to me up again so soon after that, you know? And yet here we are. And now Kate just left Alice in Arkham with Mouse. And yet if they two episodes out of line, two up for some reason, I would believe it. I would fucking believe it. So <laughs> so good job, guys. <laughs> there you go. It's still good. Anyway. Um, yes, Julia and Sophie have chemistry. Um, I enjoyed uh, Julia's visit this time. And I liked the way that they kind of, because it was kind of like the start of like a spy movie, right? With like some romance. Like, oh, I must save this woman. From her yeah, attackers, then you won't love her. Um, so yeah, and I enjoyed I enjoyed their interactions with Kate when it's you know case related, and also as uh, was it May and probably everyone probably wanted out, but yeah, Mary coming in and being like, "Do you guys know who you both are?" Yes, we all know. Okay, just want to check. Everyone see? Okay, we all know what's going on. That was very cute. Speaking of Mary, uh, she's wonderful, supportive amazing human being. I love her so much. I love that she knew that Luke would need someone, even when he was like, I don't need anybody. I just want to be alone. And she was like, you say that, but I'm going to be here and hold your hand very platonically so that you can get through this. <laughs> um, also, Cameron Johnson did such a good job this episode. Um, he killed it, much like that random person killed Reggie. Um, but he was so... <laughs> he did such a good job. I felt so much for him. And also, I, I'm very invested in the unfolding conspiracy. Like, who killed? Who ordered Lucas's death? or Lucius's death, right? And why, like, what happened? Why is that person also after Sophie? Like, how is Jacob involved? Everything. I want to know all the things. Also, I just feel so bad for Reggie. It's not fair. Just got out. And He's I just... Have, yeah, yeah. Chip. And just, see? This is why you gotta stay home. Don't go to the <laughs> freaking store. And get Chip. Not essential travel. So, that's what we learned. Um, anyway, I'm glad that Luke and Mary are on the case. They are the best buds. I love to see them 
be so platonic together forever. Um, finally, the whole like Alice being, um, you know, the friend from Coriana who is after Alice. I love getting into that aspect of the comics as well. So hopefully we'll get some more Coriana characters. Will you elaborate? <clears throat> um, Sophia um, and a bunch of like, it's just like a fake country in, you know, I was going to say in Gotham, but in DC Comics, in the Batwoman world. Um, and Kate was trapped there for like um, a year or so um, in the comics. And then also that's where she like, one of one of the times that she found Alice, like that's where like Alice and Beth, Beth was being held and became Alice. So, so that's what I first thought that, that we were going to show like the training in Koreana that would then make her Alice. But uh-huh. that did not happen here. So, yeah. <laughs> so we will see. We will see how um, Coriana. Maybe is that's actually... like the next phase of her. Right. Alice. The next phase like, of yeah. She like burns her, the Queen of Hearts, and <laughs> then she gets picked up by Coriana Gang. There you go. There you go. That's what happened. All right. So, um, what did not spark joy? Oh. Oh, never mind. I already read this. I was like, that was a lot. Oh, never mind. I remember. Okay, go. <laughs> Well, like Alice, I too feel betrayed by Kate Kane. Like, I thought we were over the talk to Bruce voiceovers, Kate. <laughs> I always, that's always like the weakest part of episodes for me. Like, when she was like talking to Bruce. And I think she started, she started doing it again last episode. And in this episode, I'm like, come on, Kate. Like, I, we had enough of this. Like, no more. Um, but for the actual episode itself, like, Kate leaving Alice in Arkham with Mouse is just fucked up. <laughs> and it's doubly so when you have the reveal that Jacob was in on the plot with Kate the entire time. Like, I really felt bad. At least this episode did a good job. This episode, the previous one, did a really good job of making me feel for Alice. Um, especially this one, because she kept her promise of not killing. She probably enjoyed their team up as much as I did because I thought they felt like sisters and they were like clicking for the first time in a long time. Uh, Probably she did too. So finding out all of that was a lie is just like devastating. Um, And like, you know, like Tati said, like it's, it is her fear toxin nightmare come to life where Jacob convinces Kate to leave her. And, you know, in the fact that like, she locks the door of the um, Arkham place and it's like glass so they can see each other. And you have that kind of, yep. um, I don't know if this is a gift set or they actually showed it in the episode, but like the flashback of mini um, Kate and Beth with their hands on the door and not knowing that the other is on the other side or Kate not knowing that Beth is on the other side to comparing that to this one where like Kate puts her hand on like the glass door they can see each other. Alice is yelling out, don't leave me, Beth. Like she, or don't leave me, Kate. Like she didn't do when she was younger, but now she's doing it. Like, don't leave me. Kate can see her. Kate knows she's on the other side of the door because she put her there. And she's so <laughs> <laughs> um, so And that, that's just all like, you know, by the end of the episode when Alice is like crazy in her own room quoting stuff, like I would not you know, surprise me, or I would not uh, be surprised if, you know, she just goes full psycho from now on, because really, 
Kate, you can't really say that. You know, you don't know what caused this because you you saw her <laughs> begging for it, and you just left her there. Um, you know, also not going to keep harping on the fact that they went like pre fifty to white Julia on us because you know we talked about it initially when they first cast her. Um, it's not like they're going to change the actress or whatever. And then also, I I kind of like the actress. I think she is good at acting. <laughs> so that like, <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> like the whole you know issue of them deliberately casting her as white aside, um, the kiss between Julia and Kate didn't really bother me, and Julia didn't bother me. She she wasn't really in my spark joys because I wanted to talk about it here. Um, it's not like a not spark joy, but I can't really say like, the, you know, her kissing Kate spark joy. So I'm just going to talk about it here. And it, the kiss didn't really bother me, but I got to talk about it somewhere. Um, like all, ep- but all episode, like Kate has been trying to self-medicate and work through, because this is like immediately after she's killed August Cartwright and her and her dad and Alice all buried this guy and she's, like, trying to work through her lack of guilt of killing someone. And, like, to be honest, she has, like, the shittiest murder support group. Like, one is a psychopath, and the other is, you know, Alice. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like, Jacob never really addresses the gravity of the fact that Kate has killed someone and how that changes a person. He doesn't really try to talk her through that or try to work through that with her. It's, he's like literally just like burying the body, glossing over it. Don't worry about it. Don't look at it. Let's move on. Which is also very one percent. You know, someone rich, their kid kills someone. Like, oh, it's okay. We'll just like hide the body and and not worry about it. You don't have any consequences. To do you know for doing this? And Alice, on the other hand, I feel like even though she is like. Kate's like, you kill a lot of people. <laughs> I feel like Alice has a point in saying, like, where people decide to draw the whole ethical morality line is very arbitrary. Um, even though, you know, Alice has repeatedly made choices. Um, if you go back to, like, the first, all the trauma involved in, like, the specifically with regards to, like, August Cartwright and with the grandma and, like, killing her and how that changed Alice as the person um, versus how, you know, look at how quickly, like, Jacob gave up on Alice as an adult. Even when he found out that Alice was Alice, he didn't care. And he immediately, like, threw her away. Um, but And I think, like, Alice killing Cartwright would not be treated the same way as Kate killing Cartwright um, because the way that Jacob treated Kate after the fact is completely different. And so it's kind of like Jacob is deciding who is, you know, still, you're still a good person, but you're not kind of thing. And also if you look at his hypocrisy of like the crows versus Batwoman, it's another kind of like arbitrary, you know, ethical morality line of Jacob being like, well, Batwoman is a vigilante and she doesn't follow the rules. And then you look at the crows and they are, you know, setting up their own checkpoints illegally and entering people's homes illegally. They're not following the rules either, but somehow, like, they do the same thing as Batwoman you know, more violently <laughs> and, like, more systematically as, like, a, a military unit. 
but the crows are somehow legitimate and Batwoman is not. Like, it does not make sense. Um, so, you know, if you came here for Very Jacob's Stan account, this is not the place. <laughs> like, I do not care about <laughs> Jacob's <Stan. laughs> But, uh, like, still not over him, like, suspending Sophie for lying. And I'm glad, I'm glad that she caught him out, called him out for it. Um, but anyway, like, that was the whole detour aside. Like, my point is that by the end of this episode, like, Kate needed a release. Like, she needed to feel something, anything, because she was feeling nothing at killing August. And, like, Julia was just a body that happened to be there at the end of the episode. Um, so, you know, it didn't really make me feel like they were going to go anywhere with it. And I would hope or I would hope, like, in, in the, the next episodes, like, um, it would be clear to both Julia and or Kate that that kiss was what it was and not something more than what it was. Um I don't think that, I mean, Julia, Julia seemed more into Sophie this episode than the little time that she shared with Kate. Um, and I don't really think that Julia's trying to get in between Kate and Sophie unless it's like in a threesome, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, but I do, I do feel like for me in this episode, there are more hints that something could happen with Sophie than there was that it would lead to a rekindling of something with Kate. So there you go. I also did not like the fact that Kate tricked Alice because it's just a, like, I mean, like everything Jessica pointed out already, it's in, it's also like a self-righteous thing. Like, you know, you said it's, she gets to choose what's right and what's wrong, but Alice is a psycho and that's where she's going to stay. And it doesn't matter what she does or doesn't do, like do all her bad deeds make her or does one good deed still make her a bad person and like vice versa you know so it's like Kate is in the moment that it's weird that she's freaking out over having killed someone but also not feeling bad about having killed this one person but then the moment that she can finally understand Alice is the moment that she puts her in to a prison after saving her from one last week like you go from saving someone from possibly going completely insane last week to doing the exact same thing you were trying to save her from the week before. Like it makes zero sense. And it's just upsetting that they pulled this behind her back, especially after like Alice worked so hard to follow up on the promise that she made Kate that she wouldn't kill anybody, but then Kate goes and stabs her in the back anyway. So it just felt all kinds of wrong um and it's like you said it's definitely like one percenter mentality where kate can just do pretty much anything she wants the crows can do anything that they want but alice is the bad person no matter what she does and that's very fucked up (laughs) um so yeah so that was like the big twist that really pissed me off i was actually really surprised because i didn't think that it was gonna happen so when it did i was like oh it's an oh shit moment um so Boo, Kate. Boo. <laughs> you do not get brownie points for this. <laughs> and, yeah. Just sit in the corner and think about yeah, it just makes me wonder, like, how... That she chose her dad over Alice, like... Yes, yes. Especially since Jacob is shown to be a terrible father. He doesn't really know how to be there for either of his daughters. He just kind of shows up for plot to help out. But he's not, like, emotionally there. He doesn't... He's not allowed into, like, the bubble whenever something happens 
he's just, you know, the, what do they call it? Like the, the guy, the big guns you call in to help you commit a crime or clean up something. And then he just goes back and to his little space, never to be seen again. Um, but before I continue with my dislikes, I, I forgot to mention that I did like the fact that Sophie still stood behind the fact that she was defending Batwoman. Like, she's not going to go against what she said last time. So that's great. Um, but back to what did not spark joy. I I didn't feel much about Julia throughout the episode, but it did sort of bug me that by the time we got to the end, like, in my mind because Kate's been trying to reach out to Sophie and Sophie's been trying to call Kate back because she knows something's wrong because she texted her so late. So I felt like that moment could have gone to Sophie and Kate. Like they could have chatted. Like that was the moment they brought them back together. Like they can, even though Kate wasn't going to tell her the detailed details, but she could still like talk to her in some roundabout way because Sophie it's not like Sophie isn't part of an organization where she doesn't know what it's like to go so far. Like she did a few episodes ago where she was part of the whole putting up checkpoints, being super aggressive, like, you know, and wanting to kill Alice. So it's not like she wouldn't have understood some sort of that point of view. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I I get it, but I feel like, you know, (laughs) if they had had that conversation, then, it would have been like a positive thing for Kate. They clearly don't want to do that yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's also true. <laughs> so I'm just, I guess I'm just worried about where this is going to go with, if there's, if it's going to go at all with Julia, um, because, you know, the whole people become obsessed with the next white girl who shows up wanting to get Kate's attention. Um, but Jessica made some excellent points that she basically kind of just the body even though she we should have been there should have been a scene of her talking to luke because i would like to see that relationship as well because you know she's a pennyworth luke's a fox like a fox in both instances (laughs) 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 but you know we we it would be nice to see like that whole relationship because they also know each other just as much as she knows Kate. So the fact that he's been going through something and she knew his dad, it would have added something to the episode emotionally for her to also have that moment with him so that it would feel like Luke has more of a support system than just Mary showing up for him because right now Kate's kind of MIA in his life. And that is that on the I remember, like, there was, like, that scene early on when Kay was like, oh, do you need? And he was like, no. And she was like, okay, bye. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Best friends. And then, and then Mary came in and filled the void. So there you go. Um, but, yeah, I, um, yeah, I don't really have much that I dislike other than I just think that Jacob sucks. Um, and I feel like he just doesn't, is just, like, the worst dad. Um, I mean, he was, like, nice to Kate for, like, two seconds this episode. But, like, he has no, 
like you know <laughs> Jessica calls him a psychopath like he has no real feeling about the fact that Kate just killed someone or he doesn't if he does have feelings about it he doesn't like care to talk to Kate about it you know like hey Kate or, are you okay like, or that death is okay like that you know that's fine that's a good death yeah. but not like others yeah. right. other it makes, it, it makes him look like a hypocrite too because like he's investigating some shady crow agent and he's being shady like, how too dare they lie? <laughs> like how dare they lie to me about like yeah. shooting somebody and yeah. then like he's killing somebody or like, how dare they lie to me? And then, or like, <laughs> you're Sophie, you're the only one I can yeah. trust. And she's like, you fired me for lying. What are you <laughs> yeah. So Jacob doesn't make sense. Um, he's bad to and to his other daughter. He's <laughs> not really his daughter, Sophie. So he's useless, and I don't like him. Um, is what I'm saying. Um, and while I, you know, obviously I was betrayed um, by Kate as well. But that's not really a dislike. I put it in the sparking joy, even though it doesn't spark joy. But because I feel like it was just so, you know, emotionally involved in a way that makes yeah. sense. So that was good. Um, Jacob, however, could have just not been there and it would have been just as good. So <laughs> goodbye, Jacob. Um, and I don't like, I don't mind Julia. You know, I also think the actress can act. So that's a plus. However, um, I was personally betrayed when she was like, let me go and then she was like, oh, hey, Kate, what's up? Let's kiss. I was like, what about Luke? <laughs> like, I would like to see Lucius's son and Alfred's niece, you know, interact and be friends and remind me of, you know, the larger Gotham DC Comics world. So anyway, I thought that was sad. I was like, Luke really only has Mary. Even his mom doesn't show up. Just Mary. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it because everything else was good. Jacob should go away. He should have died instead of Catherine. <sighs> oh, anyway, it's fine. It's fine. The end. Do we have feedback on the Batman? You know what's most frustrating be before we what? get to the feedback? So I wrote an article like a few weeks ago about how Batwoman is like the most improved show, and I didn't realize I would ever say this about the show that it's good. Okay. And then I was like, partly because they got rid of the voiceovers to Bruce. I'm like, fuck, they brought them back. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention yet. Yeah. Um, I, I understand why. Because Bruce is the reason why she was like, I'm not going to kill because Bruce didn't kill and Bruce is my hero. Mm -hmm. But it's weird because we don't really get like, you know, the dynamic. There's no return Bruce. voiceover. Yeah, there's no Bruce. return voiceover. He's not like writing her back like, it's okay, Kate, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> like, where is it? Is she like emailing his account hoping that one day he'll read it? Is she just like writing in her diary? I but her diary is writing letters. Like writing in her it, diary. It would, nowhere, it would be right? interesting if she wrote like that letter as if she was writing it to Alice. Like, one day you might understand why I did this yeah. or something. It's you know? yeah. Why would she write it? Why would she say Alice or say Bruce and not Alice? Just like, I don't know. No, no, no. Yeah. No, she's not actually doing it, but it would be better if she was yeah. writing, if the voiceovers were to Beth, right? Like, yeah. dear Beth, like, I'm writing in my diary, but my diary is, like, my sister because it's, like, my therapy or whatever, you know? But, yeah. okay. <laughs> but like, I'm writing in my diary and my diary is Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird. Mostly because I just don't, I don't know, aside from when she actually does the voiceovers, I'm like, do you really, like, care that Bruce is missing? Do you think he's dead? Like, what do you think is going on? I don't think that you care. It's it's like the Jeremiah situation, but less <laughs> ridiculous because she does at least write a note to Bruce every couple episodes. <laughs> so she, he's somewhere in there. Anyway, so yes, I will add that to my does not spark joy just because I just don't understand where the letters are going. I just don't, I just want to understand what she's doing with them. One day she just comes to put another letter on there, and be like, oh my god, they're gone. Who took my letters to Bruce? 
Alice is alive. So okay. it'll be like the to all the boys I've loved before, except yes! like, all the letters I wrote to Bruce. <laughs> And they all go to different people named Bruce, like all around the world. And they all come like, hey, it's me, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> anyway, do we have feedback or no? No, we just had Celeste's little comment. Wow, and Suara still hasn't gotten started on Batwoman. I see you, Suara. It's quarantine, Suara. It's time. It's time, right? I feel like I feel like we did get a um it wasn't anonymous because it wasn't signed, but I feel like it was like Shang maybe that said that he hadn't got a chance to see someone said they hadn't got a chance to see the episodes this week, so they didn't um they couldn't send in Aww. feedback on time. Um yeah. Well, you know, you can always send feedback not on time because all we've got in terms of podcasts right now is time. With no episodes. <laughs> so wonderful. <laughs> All right. Um, do we have any predictions? Aside from our wonderful to all the Bruce Waynes I've written to before. <laughs> but like, well, I feel like in the episode when they're at the safe house, Julia was like, we'll be safe here. So I'm Maybe like, is Julia, Julia going to live in the safe house with Sophie? And if so, like, what if there's only one bed? And then they have to start fake dating. <laughs> So basically all our predictions for Catwoman are romantic comedies. (laughs) Julie and Sophie are hiding out from Hitman together. And there's only one bet. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, I do have, like, another, like, uh, more serious prediction. I'm wondering, because this is, like, huge conspiracy theory type shit right now. Everybody that's connected to Lucius Fox's murder is being taken out. And... First of all, before I like go through it, this like how long ago was Lucas Luke's dad murdered? He said it was like at his after his graduation. graduation. He had just gone into yeah. MIT or something. Yeah. So how so long? Now it's been so like eight years or ten years. Eight, eight or ten years. I wonder if whatever killed whoever killed Lucius Fox is connected to why Bruce has also disappeared. Because mm-hmm. Bruce has been gone for like three mm-hmm. years, right? So, like, what if Bruce was investigating Lucius's murder, and mm-hmm. then, like, whoever was taking out people caught on to, like, Batman or was caught on to Bruce, and then Bruce had to, like, leave or whatever? Mm-hmm. So now it's being, like, brought up again. So now, like, I wonder if whoever this is is the same person that was responsible for Bruce leaving Gotham three years ago. That would be interesting. I would be into that, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm hoping as well. I'm I'm actually even hoping that Lucius is not dead, even, somehow. And I will say that I said that in one of our tweets, and Nicole Kang liked it, so I just assume it's true. Oh! <laughs> I was like, I hope that Lucius is actually not dead, and he and Bruce are hiding out together. And she was like, like! <laughs> so... <laughs> that's my prediction. I love it, I love it. I'm just going to agree with your both of your <laughs> addictions, addictions, your predictions, my God. <laughs> Lady with Gumption, Tati? Yes, Lady with Gumption. Who is it? I already said that my Supergirl Lady with Gumption is Kelly. Um, I agree with Kelly. I love it, love it. Supergirl. Yeah, Do we have same. that woman, maybe Alice, for ha- making her, keeping her promise? And Kate for locking her off. <laughs> Kate, Kate, Kate did have Gumption. 
She had the audacity. Away. <laughs> audacity. She had the audacity. <laughs> I would say Alice for right. that woman because I think she acted pretty admirably in, you know, trying to protect Mouse and save him from very cruel, cruel fate. So between L and there's like a common thread here because Kelly was protecting Alex and then Alice is protecting Mouse. So thus mm. both similar kind of storylines. But which uh, one yeah. deserves to be Lady Gumption of the Week? I want to say Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say Kelly. <laughs> yeah. she, actually, she actually saved Alex and didn't wind yes. up in prison. <laughs> she did. She yeah. succeeded. She saved Alex. She convinced Andrea that they should actually like look into this. And she was very assertive about it and persistent. Because, yeah. you know, it's hard to stand up to your boss, regardless of ethic, ethical dilemmas, you know. So she did that, and, and she, she helped William investigate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With William, yeah. All right. Amazing. Yay, Kelly. Congratulations to Kelly, and congratulations to you all for making it through our episode of Superbat. Please come back, um, I guess, next week. Uh, maybe we're talking Elite. I'm not entirely sure what we're doing. Um, but we will do something for you. Oh, perhaps Birds of Prey. That's right. It's not all we have to do. Either way, send us our feedback. Send us feedback at ladieswgumption at gmail.com or at ladieswgumption on the Tumblr or even tweet us at DCTVGumption on the Twitter. Oh, and one other you- thing that we could do since we could give like a Stargirl preview, spoiler-free preview at some yes. point. Yes, we could. Looking at May, so oh, I have to just check. Um, <laughs> I think that should be fine. Yeah. Alrighty then. Uh, wonderful and fare thee well. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.